Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are moving higher. S&P 500 index heading for a fifth monthly gain. Right now we've got the S&P trading higher by two points at 21.72. We did have an intraday high today. Uh, we've got the S&P, or intraday record, I should say, the S&P up 0.1%. NASDAQ up four points, also advancing by one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down at 34 to 18,422, a drop there of two-tenths of one percent. Tenure up 12, 30 seconds, looking at a yield now of 1.46 percent. And gold picking up 18.70 the ounce to 13.51, a gain there of 1.4 percent. Crude oil up 35 cents a barrel, 41.49 on West Texas Intermediate. That is a gain of nine-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host today, Matt Miller. My co-host uh, regularly, Kathleen Hayes, on vacation. You know, Matt, uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party, they've launched now into the general election. Uh, this follows, of course, uh, last night's uh, presentation of Hillary Clinton as the Democratic nominee. But the portrait that they are presenting of the country and of their platform seems to be not only different from the one that Donald Trump and the Republicans offered last week, but almost the complete Opposite. Here to tell us more is Wendy Schiller, professor of political science, joining us from Brown University, and she's also professor of international and public affairs. Wendy Schiller, Professor Schiller, tell us a little bit about your analysis of both the Democrat and the Republican platforms and their conventions. And are they talking about the same country? No, I mean, I think there was a stark contrast, right? The Republicans uh, focused on law and order and particularly making Clinton the focus of that conversation. If you can't believe her and you can't trust her and she broke the law uh, and, that you know, there's terrorism and it was a lot of fear, uh, a lot of doom and gloom, but also projecting sort of this affirmative energy that they'll take care of it and they'll fix it, culminating with Donald Trump's statements that he alone can fix it or that he would be the kind of leader that could make progress and fix it. The Democrats, to me, looked like a convention from Ronald Reagan in 1984. They were all about unity, about how good the country is doing. It was very patriotic, lots of American flags, lots of chants of USA. Um, it really was a flip of uh, the parties, kind of the Democrats, you know, usually be doom and gloom running hmm. against a Republican president. Now the Democrats are saying, we've been in office for eight years, we know what we're doing. And what was fascinating is that they really stressed the Democratic Party, which I think is interesting given that the DNC chair was fired on Monday, the first day of the convention, and there's the Bernie Sanders conflict. Nonetheless, they're really banking on the appeal of the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton, not just Hillary Clinton. Uh, both parties have been really adept at throwing out red herrings to try and uh, skew the issues so that you don't actually think about uh, what the Democratic uh, National Committee did. You think more about the fact that the Russians may have gotten the information out there, right? And, of course, Donald Trump did that as well. I mean, we talked so much about Melania's speech instead of talking about the possible uh, racism or uh, bigotry that existed at the convention. So um, I think both parties have had a, a strong, uh, a strong red haired herring tossing uh, uh, set of arms there. But I want to ask uh, Wendy about th th these two Americas that we often talk about here at Bloomberg. Um, 
the, the inequality that we see makes it hard to talk about uh, the American economy as one monolithic thing. I mean, we, we can say that the economy has grown, but it hasn't grown for everybody, right? We can say that unemployment is down, but it's not down for everybody. We can say that violent crime is down, but in some neighborhoods, it's still horrible. And it seems like these uh, this is a concept that the Republican Party has been able to grasp and the Democratic Party has, has kind of ignored. Well, I think that... The Republican Party has successfully seized upon that part of the population that feels as if they've been left behind, and they have been left behind. When the factory closed in the southeast or in the Midwest, nobody built another one, right? And that is, you know, that grand sound of jobs whooshing down to Mexico or going to China or Vietnam under TPP. So, yes, the Republicans have been very good at focusing on that community that they feel they've been ignored by both parties. That's why Donald Trump did as well as he could. If you do nothing in Congress for nearly six years but obstruct, then people kind of figure out the government isn't helping them. So I think that's been pretty brilliant on Trump's part, just to hammer in. The problem for the Republicans is there aren't enough of those people, I think, to win the general election. And I think the Democrats, which will be the laundry list that Hillary Clinton recited last night in a relatively good speech for her, um, were designed to get at those people. Uh, I didn't hear a lot of worker retraining, but you did sort of hear about job growth and stimulus and infrastructure, maybe the kind of jobs that some of the people who have been left behind can get. So you're absolutely right. And the conflict in the Democratic Party is exactly the poverty and crime conflict. You know, really have African Americans advanced under Obama? You know, did it matter to have an African American president? And does that affect poverty per se? Um, and then immigration for Latinos. So there are unaddressed issues. The question is, which person and which party are the undecided and independents going to look to and say they're better equipped to solve those problems, or I sincerely believe they will address those problems. So I think that's the big calculus in people who are currently undecided. Did Hillary Clinton and other Democratic leaders, did they successfully woo the supporters of Senator Bernie Sanders? I think you can clearly tell from all the boos and the protests that they didn't woo all of them. I mean, we have a, a repeated polls that indicate that, you know, 80% of Sanders supporters will vote for Clinton. We're not going to know that in, uh, until Election Day. But what the Democrats rolled out that the Republicans didn't was sheer star power and star power of elected officials for the most part, with the exception of Michelle Obama. But nonetheless, it was star power after star power, coherent, inspiring, energetic speeches that give the impression that this is the party you want to be with if you're a Democrat, any Democrat. So I think that, in, in doing that, they were successful at getting as many of those Bernie supporters as they probably can. Did Hillary Clinton – I mean, I'm not sure if this is really her aim, but the concern is that she doesn't have the likability and that voters, even in her own party, find it difficult to trust what she's saying. Um, and we were told that maybe she was going to try and turn that around in her speech. Did she take a different tact? did enough of what we call softening. You know, Hillary Clinton has a great smile. She has a great laugh. She can be very funny. There were moments in the speech when she was good. She was funny and softer and approachable. I think she's so intense about policy and she's so interested in policy that she just gets carried away on that front and doesn't really figure out how to connect with the voters, particularly on TV. So I think it was a missed opportunity. I think she should have done more of that. Um, I think all the other testimonials tried to do that. I don't think 
think she really succeeded in that way. I think the trust issue is both of her own making, self-inflicted, but also externally she's been pounded on this for 20 years. So I think those people who just don't trust her are never going to trust her. Wendy, is there a uh, is there some kind of litmus test for all of the videos and the biographies that are shown uh, in between the speeches? Were those con- convincing? You know, I think some of them were pretty well done. I think the speeches themselves, the testimonials, were far more convincing if people had a chance to see them than the actual production videos. And I think that's the thing the Democrats did. They brought a lot of people from a lot of different realms who had experienced loss or tragedy or good things and really tried to connect with as many people in America as they could, whereas the Republicans focused on a particular demographic and a particular type of message about Hillary Clinton. That will shore up the Republican base. But I just don't think they reached as far as they could for independents or people who could empathize with particular types of people, women, men, background, religion. I think the Democrats are always better at rolling those people out, and I think this year was no exception. Did, did the Democrats do – it seemed to me um, from watching the, the, the first few days of uh, – I didn't watch last night, but the first few days – that the Democrats did a great job of convincing people – not to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, if they didn't convince the voter that Hillary Clinton was trustworthy or likable, they definitely convinced the voter that Donald Trump was not the person to vote for. Yeah, I mean, you know, voters never like to regret their vote choice, right? So sometimes people will not vote in order not to cast a vote to put somebody in that they really fear. That's not going to help Hillary Clinton that much. She needs turnout among the Democratic Party base and the independents, and she needs turnout in specific swing states, as we know. From now on, I really believe this is ground game. This is organization. This is poll watchers and people who call you on Election Day. This is where the Trump Organization and the RNC are lagging, and I just don't see the evidence that they're going to catch up. I think the convention bounce fades, and then it becomes honest-to-goodness, get out the vote, state party chairs, county party chairs. And in that way, the party in the Democratic arena look to be more energetic and united than the party in the Republican arena. But we don't know how that's going to play out a month from now when the real dynamics of this campaign start. Wendy, it's no secret that both parties, to some extent, are are divided. But the Republicans especially seem to have such huge prominent names like the Bushes that uh, want to annihilate Donald Trump. Do you think that we're going to see Bushes, a Kasich, uh, a Rubio come out and support Hillary Clinton? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think you're going to see the Bushes support Hillary Clinton. You know, I mean, this is the family that beat Papa, so there's no way I think they're going to do that. Um, there have been rumors about supporting Gary Johnson, the um, libertarian candidate, who will, by the way, have an effect in states like Colorado and states like Nevada, possibly New Hampshire. So he's still a player in this game for the election. But I don't see them doing that. They could quietly steer donors away from the presidential race and to the Senate races. Right. So that, to me, seems to be their only option right now. All right, Wendy, thanks so much. Wendy Schiller, professor of political science at Brown University. This is Bloomberg.